What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday. Far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it at the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome in to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan Myler with Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Fellas, we are through wildcard weekend, or super wildcard weekend, I guess they called it. Ryan, it wasn't all that super, (laughs) Not that super. Not that super. Some bad football uh, we're, we're glad there's still football games going on, but there there were some blowouts, some pretty ugly games. Yeah, letting in that seven seed, maybe that's not so good for the quality of football that's on the field. The two versus seven was pretty rough. There were some other games, Matt, that, that just weren't as entertaining as expected. I guess the Raiders and Bengals were good, and, and that Cowboys 49ers game, that was entertaining to watch, but the rest of them were blowouts. Yeah, the Raiders... Bengals game was fun. I, th- I would say I think the refs had a little bit too much of a heavy hand in that one a little bit. Um, but otherwise, it was good. I thought the, the 49ers-Cowboys game was good, too. I mean, but that relied on a, you know, kind of last-ditch last, last ditch effort by the Cowboys to pick off and get a pick six from, from Jimmy Garoppolo. Otherwise, that would have, wouldn't have really been a game either. But, Dan, I have to ask you, as a Packers fan, did you get watching that game? Did you get Mike McCarthy, Packer area, area vibes from that team? Because it seemed like there was a lot of the same mistakes were being made from a game management standpoint, from not being using your right your, your players the correct way. I mean, CeeDee Lamb didn't get a catch till what, the middle of the fourth quarter, something like that. Uh, and then, you know, it just seemed like there was this kind of lack of energy surrounding the team. And it felt like I was watching a McCarthy area Packers game in the playoffs. It, it absolutely was. I, I thought the same thing. And, and what highlighted it more than anything else is we, we watched – Jamar Chase be featured for an entire game by that Bengals coaching staff. Clearly, they went into it and said, this is our guy. This is how we're going to win this game. We're going to pepper him with targets. Then in that same game, the Cowboys and 49ers, Debo was all over the place. Clearly, Shanahan said, we got to get this guy the ball, whatever it takes. And McCarthy just stood there with his rolled up play call sheet, looking up at the scoreboard and yelling at referees like always. And I had the same feeling. I, I threw up in my mouth just a little bit a couple times <laughs> looking over at him. I really thought they were going to fire him. Yeah. I guess it, not, it feels so. good in the regular season, you know, for the most part. But then you get to the playoffs and it kind of falls apart. It's the same story. The same old story. We are going to talk about a lot of wide receivers today. Last week we did all the running backs, tried to get through those consensus tiers. And we did a pretty good job. Uh, for the most part, we agreed on most players. We're going to try to see if we can do the same thing with these wideouts this week. So consensus tiers among the wideouts. We might as well get right into it, guys. 
Uh, I just mentioned his name, Jamar Chase. He was the consensus tier one guy. Uh, and we all threw in Justin Jefferson as well, Ryan. Talk to me about these two young stud wide receivers and why they make up the top tier by by themselves. Well, I mean, you, you said it, first of all, the, the young guys, right? 22, uh, 20, 21 in Chase's case, still unreal. Uh, I mean, both of them come in, waste no time. Year one, they're proving, uh, despite some some pretty stiff competition, Adam Thielen for Jefferson, of course, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd in Jamar Chase's case. But they they prove themselves to be the wide receiver one, the alpha on their team immediately. And, uh, I mean, basically both of these guys record setters. It's crazy to think back that uh, that these two guys were on the same college team. Uh, I, I want to go back and watch some of those LSU games. Uh, but I think Chase and Jefferson, and uh, right now I still prefer Jefferson over Chase, but I, I think we're really nitpicking there, debating between the two of them. These two guys are locked in, and I think right now there is a huge gap between the two of them and everybody else. That's what I was thinking as well. It's these two that are probably neck and neck, whether you prefer Jefferson or Chase. That's debatable. We can have a fun conversation about that on another program, of course. Matt, you had Chase and Jefferson, just like me and Ryan, alone in Tier 1. Was there anybody else that you considered throwing in there with those two stud young guys? No, not really. I think I think you guys are right. Those two stand alone. I actually even considered kind of splitting those two into individual tiers, and then I felt like that was maybe getting too cute with it. Uh, just because I think Jamar Chase's situation is so much better than Justin Jefferson's. Uh, better quarterback, obviously. Better surrounding talent on the team. Uh, and, you know, if, if Kirk Cousin did happen to move on either either next year, it's going to be tough with that contract. But, you know, a year after that, who knows what quarterback's going to come in there. Uh, and we're pretty sure he's he's quarterback proof. But, you know, stranger things have happened to elite quarterbacks. So just the slight, very slightest of separation between those two for me. But then everybody else on, 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 that we have in Tier 2, I think uh, all have definite flaws that uh, don't stack up against those top two guys. Yeah, we we can talk about the quarterback situations as well. Clearly, Burrow is is a way better dynasty asset, better NFL quarterback as well. But that situation in Minnesota doesn't seem all that bad, if you ask me. I think they they're probably the premier landing spot for a head coaching candidate, which usually means they're going to get the cream of the crop. They're going to get the top guy as long as they act fast. We'll see what they do at the general manager spot if they if they insist on getting that spot filled first, and if that uh, person that comes into that role will have a have a say in who the head coach is. Um, if they don't drag their feet, I think they're going to get one of the premier coaching candidates that are out there, and that could can only help Justin Jefferson, in my opinion. So tier one is Chase and Jefferson, just those two guys up there. Tier two things get a lot bigger. We had we had some consensus guys, of course. In fact, there were nine of them, guys. We had CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddell, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf, and Deontay Johnson. All nine of those guys fill up tier two. Matt, if you had to pick out one or two of these guys that really really tell the story of tier two, who would they be? 
the 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 way I, I kind of phrase this tier, it's the it's the the alphas that aren't quite as flawless as those top two guys. All of these guys in this tier are are the absolute number one targets on their team. Whether they're a young up and coming stud, we think like C D Lamb and A J Brown, who both have their issues with either injury or just you know usage, as we saw with C D Lamb uh, in the playoff game last week. Um, and then you have the other older guys like Cooper Cup, who are you know getting up there in age, but clearly are producing at an elite level, and it doesn't seem like anything's going to change for them. Uh, and then, you know, some of, some of the guys on here that have certain flaws, but they kind of are all evidence for, of this tier. Uh, it's just, you know, these are all alpha receivers. There's no uh, real competition for targets, at least at the receiver position, um, for these players on their team. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how I, I separated these guys between tier one and tier three. How about you, Ryan? Is there somebody inside this tier, especially with these veterans, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, these guys that have been around the block for a while, already in their late 20s, but putting up these elite numbers? How do you feel about mixing those guys in with such cream of the crop young guys, the names that Matt mentioned there? It's always interesting when you put different types of players into the same tier. I think sometimes we fall into that trap that we think a tier has to be all young players, all uh, starting running backs, what what have you. Uh, and it's certainly not what we have here with the veterans like Adams, Tyreek, Cooper Cup, who are uh, older and, and more established, but they're also safer bets. Uh, I mean, we, we like A.J. Brown, uh, but he hasn't really been able to stay healthy yet in his career. Uh, if he can do that, then uh, then maybe he moves up to the tier one. Um, and the the other younger players in this range, DK Metcalf needs to certainly be more consistent. Uh, I, I really think when I look at this tier, the player that stands out to me right now, and and he's been a hot topic uh, in in the Twitter streets lately, is CD Lamb. Um, getting a lot of pushback on him as the wide receiver three. He's been the wide receiver three in our ADP at DLF uh, since October. Uh, actually, in one of those months, I believe it was November, he was actually the wide receiver too. Um, but what we're seeing is his his production is not quite living up to that value right now. You look at uh, the, the two guys we've already talked about, Justin Jefferson, in his two seasons, he's been a wide receiver one 33% of the time. Jamar Chase, this, this past year, of course, his rookie year, 29% of the time he was a wide receiver one. And, and uh, looking at the rest of this tier, the lowest uh, lowest player in that rank is is CD Lamb. Twenty two percent of the time, he's giving you a wide receiver one game, uh, lower than anybody else uh, that that we've mentioned here, including the rookie Jalen Waddle. And Waddle is the guy that I that really jumps off the page for me because so many. Uh, we're convinced that Chase was was going to run away with that number one spot in this rookie class, and and there's a case to be made that that's exactly what happened. However, Waddle has put up big, big numbers. We've talked about him many times throughout the season, highlighted him in that Dolphins offense. Things are only going to get better for him. I've talked about it multiple times that he needs to they need to unlock him as a downfield threat on top of the, him being that underneath option. Um, and, and he'll truly become that, that number one receiver that we can count on week in and week up out has a lot of, lot of upside with that. The other name that really, um, like if you would have said this a year ago, this is the list of the tier two wide receivers that might surprise some people is probably Debo Samuel. We, we flash back a year ago, Ryan, 
And he was a guy that was oft injured and and used sporadically inside of that offense and and he just kind of kind of bloomed, blossomed into this into this weapon for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Uh, earlier this year, he was middling in the in the seventies and eighties in ADP, and now he's all the way up there in the middle of the second round at seventeen. Yeah, I think really what we held against Debo Samuel, I know it, it, this is the case uh, for me at least, was that injury history because it was something that dated back to college. It wasn't just uh, one one kind of fluky injury that had us concerned or had me concerned at least. Uh, but when he has been on the field, even prior to this year, he's been consistent. He has been um, he's been a fantasy asset, and and now it was it, it was this year, his third year, when he finally put it all together uh, and, and was able to stay on the field uh, almost every week of the year. For me, there was one guy of this consensus guys that I had had a hard time with Matt. Um, leaving in tier two he was a fringe guy it's Deontay Johnson and it's because of the the situation there in Pittsburgh the unknowns at quarterback the other weapons that are there in Pittsburgh and and their usage potentially going up um did you have any any hesitation with putting Deontay Johnson in tier two I I did uh but it I looked at him compared to the guys in tier three, and he seemed to be a bit a cut above the, for those guys for me. He seems to be someone who's going to be locked in for wide receiver one targets, no matter who the quarterback is. There are issues with Chase Claypool. Uh, you know, Juju is likely to be gone. Who knows what's going to happen at quarterback? But he seems that. But Deontay seems to have the skill set that'll mesh with even even Mason Rudolph if that happens to be the guy. It was something we none of us really want to happen. Um, but uh, and, and and the other thing about this tier. Is you know, like sometimes we, we put these labels on it, like how are we organizing these tiers? It will be trade something a significant piece plus somebody in this tier for another person in this tier. And I think in some of those cases that that could be said with a guy like Deontay Johnson. You know, like am I am I going to how, how much do I have to put on top of Johnson to get up to CD Lamb? Probably quite a bit, at least a first round pick, if not more. So like from that definition, he probably doesn't fit. But from a from a production and what he's done on the field for us the last couple of of seasons, uh, from a fantasy perspective. You know, maybe it's not the worst idea in the world to, to go out and say, hey, I'm going to offer up CeeDee Lamb and pick up Deontay and, you know, a, a whole bunch of upside on top of that to build depth or or uh, some starters at some other positions that where I might have some holes on my team. So the production isn't far off and in some cases are is above the, the rest of these guys in this tier. Uh, but the the value, the, the, the team situation, the way he's viewed uh, on the market in most dynasty leagues is not the same as some of the other guys in this tier. And that, that reason that you just gave is exactly the reason why I struggled so much. The The difference between the top of this tier and Deontay Johnson, I felt, was significant. So I struggled with it. I ended up with him landing in Tier 2. And a similar player, at least a player I value sim- very similarly, T. Higgins in Cincinnati, was was a guy I felt belonged, Ryan. If, if we're going to put Deontay Johnson in there, it felt like T. Higgins belonged as well. I think he does. Um, his his numbers are actually quite similar to C.D. Lamb. Uh, going going back to that conversation, I know our buddy Adam Harstead has made this point. Um, with T. Higgins, you're getting C.D. Lamb's production at, at a much cheaper cost, uh, whether you're talking ADP or uh, what he might uh, cost in trade or, or even if you want to break it down to uh, – 
you know, to a weekly game, his DFS price is, is always much cheaper uh, for for T. Higgins than that, than a guy like C.D. Lamb, who kind of carries that that name value. Uh, so I, I absolutely think Lamb and Deontay Johnson belong in this tier. Matt, you didn't have T. Higgins in this tier. You you put him at the, towards the top of tier three, or at least I would assume towards the top. Yep. Uh, is is the fact that Jamar Chase is such an alpha the the thing that keeps you from investing at that level in T. Higgins? That's basically it. You know, like I said, this was kind of an alpha wide receiver tier with some flaws, and you know, T. Higgins I think can be that and has been in that in the past. But with Jamar Chase there, it's just hard to see him being that on a consistent basis. You know, they also showed earlier in the season a propensity to uh, run the ball quite a bit, and so we have those down volume games. Uh, and in those cases, you know, T. Higgins might absolutely guy, but he just seems a little bit less certain. Uh, and that's completely by feel. I have no problems with putting him in tier two, but just the way I broke down my tier two is he didn't quite uh, fit that mold for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The guy you did have in here, Matt, was Stefan Diggs, another another veteran, a guy who's been around in, in his late 20s already, kind of was similarly valued to Devontae Adams a year ago because of that huge season he had. Well, 2022 or 2021 didn't treat him quite as good as 2020 did. So he fell down a peg or two. Ryan and I kept him out of tier two. You you felt he belongs still. Yeah, uh, I mean, I just looked at his production and it, it from a week on a week to week basis, it was definitely down. He didn't have those huge explosive games like he had in uh, in 2020, his first year with the Bills. But he still had a, a pretty darn good season, 160 targets both seasons in Buffalo, just two less than he had last year. And the efficiency was really uh, what what changed for him. You know, 20, 127 catches in 2020, down to 100, 103 this year. So the efficiency from a, from a catch percentage wasn't there. But he did have a, a career high in touchdowns. So I just feel like if we're going to have some of these other guys in this tier, that it was difficult for me to separate him based on production uh, and where we were valuing him at the beginning of, of the 2021 season. I can certainly understand moving him down uh, a, a tier. But if we're going to have, again, you know, Deontay Johnson and, uh, you know, other guys that have produced similarly, I feel like he, he, he belongs, at least from that standpoint. Yeah, I think I can speak for Ryan. We we both think that that he belongs close to these guys. There was a little bit of differentiation for me uh, when it comes to Diggs. the The last name we need to talk about here, Ryan, is Chris Godwin. You and I both had him here in tier two. I honestly think he belongs closer to the top of tier two than the bottom. What are your thoughts when it comes to Godwin and where he belongs in these in these tiers? There's probably some concern right now with with the injury. Of course, that that late season uh, late season injury is always going to ding him. He's going going into free agency as well, so uh, that's that's another question. But to me, he's so well established. Still, just 25 years old. He's uh, he's giving you a top 24 game over 50 percent of the time. 54 percent of his games over the past two seasons have been wide receiver one or two games, and and that's even with that crowded depth chart there in, in Tampa Bay with, with Mike Evans producing uh, Gronk and, and Antonio Brown when he was there producing as well. So um, I just see no, no dings in his game, even with those questions I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, I, I think he's a great player to target in drafts or in trades right now. 
Yeah, I'm hoping I can get any kind of discount on him this offseason in leagues where I don't have him. You mentioned that he's going to hit free agency. I can't imagine Tampa Bay lets him out of yeah. out of Raymond James. They're, they, they're going to want him back for sure. He's going to be a priority for them once again. So Tier 2 ends up being CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddell, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins and Chris Godwin. So a big tier two after the, just the two players in tier one. Let's jump into the third tier, guys. There are four consensus players here, Matt. Kelvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, and DJ Moore. Talk to me about this group that we all put in tier three. Yeah, I mean, Ridley is, a, we just don't know when he's, or if he's coming back. I, I, I hesitate to say he's not coming back. I think some are just taking the stance that he's done. Uh, I'm not I'm not ready to go that far yet. Um, and we know what he can do when he is on the field. He, he certainly was, was down a little bit uh, during this season, but I don't know if we can really gain much information from what happened for the 2021 season for Calvin Ridley. So, you know, the, the impression from what he did in prior seasons is still on the mind there. And I see, I see him going really cheaply. So he might be a target right now. If, if you're of the mind that he's coming back, I think he's somebody you should be looking at to acquire cheap, uh, Amari Cooper, uh, you know, it, he's he, he at this point he feels like he's fine you know he's he's gonna get he's in a good offense he's gonna get some targets uh he's not the alpha uh but he, he he's gonna be the number two on that offense in dallas if, if he's back next season and then evans the reason why i didn't put godwin in tier two was mostly evans and i and i probably didn't consider the fact that he might be in a different situation enough there but these two are going to go back and forth they both can have good games uh but i wouldn't call either of them a standout alpha um, which is why evans is in this tier along with uh uh his teammate for me um and then dj moore is, is just somebody it feels like he's never going to realize his full potential like he's scoring fine in ppr leagues but he uh, we're, we're waiting on those really like consistent breakout games and he tends to go into these slumps nearly every season uh so uh his is really a target volume i think we're looking at with him he's always going to get the targets uh, another huge target season in 2021 um but suffering from quarterback play and he, he sees somebody seems like somebody who may not necessarily be quarterback proof uh, uh, even though he's still, you know, putting up, you know, relatively good numbers, like wide receiver two solid numbers uh, most weeks for us uh, with these crappy quarterbacks. So uh, just, you know, what's going to change with his situation? I don't really know. Uh, as long as he's there, it seems like he's he's the alpha there, but the, the rest of the team around him is not really up to speed with, with uh, DJ Moore, and that's kind of affecting his production, I think. Yeah, when, when I look at those four names, Ridley, Cooper, Evans, and DJ Moore, of course, Moore is, is the youngest, so I think that kind of gives him a leg up value-wise on, on those other three receivers as far as thinking which one of these guys could be a Tier 2 or even a Tier 1 wide receiver in the next year or two. But the other thing is just what you mentioned there, Matt. He's had these bad quarterbacks, Cam Newton and Sam Darnold and um, and Teddy Bridgewater. And what happens if they do fix it, right? What happens yeah. if they do get Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, even Kirk Cousins? I mean, geez, Kirk Cousins would be a, an upgrade to, to what, he's, uh, what he's had. Yeah, what he's had over his uh, his career. So um, I'm I'm with you guys. Obviously, valuing DJ Moore in this tier, but of of everybody we'll talk about here, I think he's he's the closest one to tier two. Yeah, and, and the upside of DJ Moore, if that quarterback position is fixed, and if that coaching staff kind of puts it all together for that offense, 
is all the way up there with CeeDee Lamb and those types of names. Uh, whereas maybe Ridley and Cooper and especially Evans, if they get to Tier 2, that, that they're maxed out in, in the middle of Tier 2. They're, they're not going to reach that elite aging uh, wide receiver status that you see from, from like Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup, or at least it doesn't feel like that. To me, after that, after those four names that we we all agreed on, we have to get Stefan Diggs in here. And then there's a handful of other names, Ryan, that that certainly fit in for me. Uh, Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, Terry McLaurin. You had all these guys in there. Me and Matt didn't have Bateman quite this high just yet. So especially with him, sell me on the reason he should be in tier three with these other names. Yeah, this is certainly uh, a little a little bit of a bet on the future because uh, Rashad Bateman, while while I feel like he improved throughout his rookie season, he didn't have a single wide receiver one game. He's probably the only player we'll talk about today that didn't have a top twelve game, uh, even even the rookie class. So it, it, there's certainly a little risk if you're drafting Bateman around the names of. Diggs or, or McLaurin, things like that. Uh, but essentially, I, I'm trusting this offense. I think um, in what we saw from Lamar Jackson before that injury, when he was fully healthy, I think the Baltimore passing offense was, uh, you know, miles better than what we had seen in in the past years. Of course, another huge year for Mark Andrews and uh, and and Marquise Brown stepped up and and was in that wide receiver one range when Jackson was healthy. And then when it, it when it comes down to it, I think Bateman is a better and more consistent player than Hollywood Brown at this point. So if he's if he's the wide receiver one on that team, which I think he can and will be, uh, then then this is about where I would value him. I have a little bit of anxiety with calling him that wide receiver one, though. Uh, just just with the way Hollywood started off the twenty twenty one season, well. While the quarterback position wasn't kind of scrambled and, and they weren't dealing with all those injuries with Lamar Jackson, he seemed to settle in as that number one target. But as the season rolled on, Andrews took over that main role and and Marquise Brown took a took a back seat in that offense. He was getting those deep targets, but wasn't peppered in in the short to intermediate area as he was earlier in the season. And I don't know if that has to do with Bateman showing up, getting healthy, getting on the field and him getting some of those opportunities. If it was just the quarterback situation being in flux after the Jackson injury or something else. Uh, but either way, it, I have a, I have a little bit of trepidation adding Bateman to these names when, when the other rookies in this tier are Devonte Smith and Elijah Moore, those guys certainly established themselves in those roles in year one where Bateman was just a half a step behind. I completely agree he has that upside and that potential to, to jump all the way into that second tier, maybe even the first tier in the long run. Uh, I just wasn't quite as willing. I, I know we're supposed to be projecting forward. Um, he's closer to the top of tier four for me. Matt, you had a couple of veterans along with me in this tier. We both had Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins in here. We're still we're still de- depending on these guys who have been wide receiver ones for their entire career. 
Yeah, I think they belong just from a reliability standpoint, and you know, from from a value standpoint, you're you're never going to get a decent return on value on these guys. They're both going to be thirty um, before the twenty twenty two season starts, but they're both still going to be productive. Keenan Allen, uh, I think you basically lock him in for ninety five to one hundred plus catches every single season, eleven hundred yards, and that like four to six touchdowns. He he hits like six or eight touchdowns in basically every season uh, of, of his career so far. So, uh, and he's. He's a player that isn't going to rely on on a lot of athletic ability. Not that he's not athletic, of course he is, uh, but you know he he relies more on that route running savvy that he's uh, made his living on in the NFL, really. So uh, I think his decline is not going to be nearly as sharp as the other. I think we could, for at least at least one to two more seasons, we're going to get uh, that that kind of standard line. Uh, from Keenan Allen. The same for Hopkins. You know, Hopkins' production obviously fell off before the injury, but I'm not convinced he was really fully healthy uh, all, all season long. I think he had like a like a soft tissue, like hamstring or something, like in week one or week two, um, and it kind of affected him even when he was on the field before he eventually uh, left and, and decided to have surgery. So uh, I don't think we can really read too much into Hopkins' season uh, based on that. Uh, so look for him to come back and have another, you know, at, at least one more, one of those 150 target kind of kind of seasons, uh, presuming that he's going to stay healthy. So I think they belong. Uh, if we're going to, we're going to have flaws for these other guys in this list, whether, uh, you know, pick, just pick a name and there's a flaw. I think that the flaw for these two guys is just their age. Um, and if you have them on your team, you're not going to get the value back anyway in trade. So you might as well keep producing, uh, if you are a competitive team. I, I could see some of those, these young guys in this tier, Elijah Moore, Devonte Smith, Rashad Bateman, there's going to be one-for-one one trades sure. with these rookies for DeAndre Hopkins this offseason. It, it, I don't think they're far enough off that you're not going to see those types of things, that, even with all that age difference. But uh, I, I feel I agree completely they belong in this tier. Ryan has them just a, just a couple spots below uh, in Tier 4. So because there's two of us, they end up in Tier 3 which consists of 10 players. Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, and DJ Moore, followed up by Stephon Diggs, Devontae Smith, Terry McLaurin, Elijah Moore, Keenan Allen, and DeAndre Hopkins. So we are through three tiers. We are 23 players in. Pretty much, guys, those are the wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos. Things start to get pretty interesting after this. We, we, we've we gone through the guys who have been consistent wide receiver ones. We've gone through the guys that are new to the wide receiver one conversation. And we've gone through a handful of the guys that we expect to jump into that kind type of conversation. Then after that, we, we get into the guys that I feel we're waiting on the wide receiver two jump. We were, we're waiting for him to get to that point. And then a handful of these guys will have... Uh, wide receiver one upside as well if they're young enough. Let's get into tier four. It starts off with a handful of guys that we think are consensus wide uh, tier four guys. It's Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, Marquise Brown, Brandon Ayuk, Amon Ross St. Brown, Mike Williams, and Jerry Judy. There's a few of these names, Ryan, that that are big shockers, or at least would have been big shockers a few months ago. Probably Amon Ross St. Brown, right? We Nobody really expected that. Some people would be surprised to see Jerry Judy in here uh, if we said this a year ago because we had those expectations that he'd have the breakout season. So among these consensus tier four guys, what really stands out to you? Well, I think it's got to be it's got to be Amon Ross St. Brown. We, we've got to start there. He is the 
the biggest surprise uh, name on this list. And uh, they're, they're all, uh, I guess, with the exception of Mike Williams, all young wide receivers in their first uh, year or two, uh, maybe, maybe three years. I think that's, that's Hollywood's case. Uh, but St. Brown, I, I know in, in, for me, just as each week went by, I, I kind of made excuses against him, you know, that Hawkinson was out or Swift was out or, um, that that he wasn't efficient with with his targets and uh he just kept proving me wrong and and finally you've got to update your rankings and and adjust the value on on this guy and um i, I still expect detroit to add a wide receiver uh whether it be in free agency or or in the draft maybe even both because they need a lot of help at that position uh i don't think he's that that prototypical wide receiver one type of player, but still in tier four and, and with some of the other relatively unproven players in this tier, uh, he, he certainly belongs. Matt, with the expectation of the Lions adding more to that room, that wide receiver room, um, what are what are you looking at this offseason? Are you feeling like he's he's going to be a guy that projecting him forward is going to be surging up? as he did late in the season, or do we expect him to come down to earth a little bit? I, I think you have to define what down to earth means. I think he's going to settle in as a, you know, fantasy wide receiver too. I think that's kind of going to be his role. If you look what he did uh, when he finally started getting consistent double digit targets in week 13, uh, that, that was the first week they really started using him like that. And he ended up as the wide receiver uh, 21 overall. So to me, that's very impressive. You get more impressed each and every week with him. And yes, I think Detroit probably brings in a receiver, but I, I don't know like of what necessarily of what quality and how many I, I, I kind of doubt they're going to bring in two guys better than, than Amon Ross St. Brown, and they have him on staff. They know what he is. They know what he can do well now. So I don't really feel like his usage will change uh, uh, that much. You know, maybe maybe he's not an alpha. Maybe he wasn't even really uh, this season until he started getting that kind of volume. So uh, I, I think he's I think he's that fantasy wide receiver, too, and he's solid, very, very solid for me in, in that range. So he easily belongs in this tier, and he's one of the guys that I think uh, may even have a chance to to break into uh, tier three if we were to do this, you know, maybe midpoint way through the 2022 season. Beyond that, beyond those seven names that we have here in tier four, you had a couple of other guys that, that you thought settled in. And I agree with you. We I had them in as well. Brandon Cooks and Hunter Renfro, who really had his breakout season for the Raiders this year in the slot as well. Beyond beyond those original seven names, why did you think that Cooks and Renfro especially belonged here? Uh, well, I just uh, Renfro is kind of in a situation a little bit, uh, you know, not exactly the same, but a little bit like uh, – um, uh, the guy we just talked about him on Ross St. Brown, just, just quite a bit older. Right. Uh, so like he's, he's that slot option, but he's the high volume target. He has an elite tight end playing with him when he's, when he's healthy. Uh, but that didn't seem to really affect his production, whether or not uh, Darren Waller was on the field. So uh, they, they, they're, they're certainly likely to add a, what another wide receiver, um, you know, but, he's going to be that high volume target. I think now that they know what he has. So I uh, kind of a discount Keenan Allen discount, uh, you know, play, players of that type, they're going to be high volume, maybe not necessarily 
uh, high high touchdown output, um, but very consistent. And Cooks just keeps doing it every single year with no matter who the quarterback is or the team that he plays for. Yeah. So uh, he seems very undervalued to me uh, at this point uh, as, a, as a dynasty wide receiver asset. He finished this season, uh, you know, with the quarterbacks we know that he played with as the wide receiver 20 this year. Uh, he's a rock solid wide receiver too, uh, and definitely not being valued that way uh, on the trade market. So someone that if you're just looking to fill that, wide receiver two three for very cheaply on your contending team uh that's an easy way to go do it is with brandon cooks i thought the renfro uh amon ra comparison you made is is interesting and if you project them if you project those teams to add some some weapons some some competition and you're worried about that production continuing the good thing with saint brown is maybe it's because he's a rookie or because he had that 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 crazy stretch to end the season I think we've seen the value, certainly the trade value and, and his ADP vault up. You can sell high on St. Brown. I, I don't really think you can on Renfro. It, nobody seems to be buying in that that he's a real dynasty asset. I, I mean, you certainly can't get a first rounder for him. Uh, I, I think there are some some cases where you may not even be able to get a second rounder for him. So to me, Renfro is, is like the definition of a hold right now. I, I think he's a definition of a buy because of what you just said. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if that's all true, yeah. Second, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you can get him for a second, I'll take 103 catches for over 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns. The thing that's, you know, he was a lower drafted player. He The expectations weren't all that high. And he was, I think he's considered an overachiever. He was mm-hmm. that in college at Clemson. Remember, he yeah. was kind of just the extra guy. Oh, yeah, he... Deshaun Watson, he just dumps it off to Renfro when one of those other guys aren't open. And he'd find his way into the end zone in a championship game, and, and the commentators would talk about how hard he works and how how he's a gym rat and all those kind of things. And that's followed him to Oakland and now to Las Vegas, that he's just just one of the guys. And, and a, now he's turned into one of the guys that can win you a fantasy championship, really, because he's seen as a wide receiver four or five to dynasty managers, but he plays like a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three with the consistency as a slot target of of like a Julian Edelman or something like that. Those are the kind of players that I see when I see Hunter Renfro. The other thing about Renfro is he's seen as a guy who's been around, but he's just 26 years old. We're gonna We're going to see him manning the slot down there for quite a while yet. So my expectation is that Renfro continues to be, and and we'll have to see what happens with the general manager position uh, and and probably the head coach position down there with the Raiders. But I expect him to be a big part of that offense and a big part of my dynasty team's successes moving forward. I really like Renfro right here in this group. Uh, He certainly fits in to me. Yeah, Uh, The other name... Sorry, Dan, I was just going to throw in Edelman was a good call because despite the success he had multiple wide receiver one seasons, the value was never there for him. Right. I think that probably will be the case for Renfro as well. Uh, even even if he continues to put up these numbers, he's never going to be a wide receiver one in Dynasty. Just not going to happen. Absolutely not. And probably never going to be worth a first round pick or, right. or a first plus anything uh, just because of that, those expectations surrounding him. The other guy that we both agreed on belonging here, Matt, was Tyler Lockett. And he was one of the last guys in for me because of the inconsistencies. What, what vaulted him into tier four for you? Yeah, I mean, 
that's the story with Lockett is the inconsistency. You know, a gigantic game, 178 yards and a touchdown in, in, in week two, and then, a, then several games of 30, 20 yards, and then another big game, 142 yards. And that's just kind of the, 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 the rub with, with Tyler Lockett. But we know he can produce. We know, at least for the moment, he has a quarterback that he has a strong rapport with. Uh, and I, I mean, I just with, with the with the rest of these guys in this tier, he seems to fit with that kind of production profile for me. A little bit older, he will be twenty. I think he'll also be thirty, maybe shortly after the season start next year, something like that. So, uh, in in the same vein as some guys uh, uh, that we listed above him, that not quite as elite. Uh, excuse me, not quite as elite as those guys like like Allen and Hopkins from a week to week consistency basis, but still can provide those big games for you. And you know, maybe uh, his price is probably coming down after this season. Too. I don't know if he's going to be necessarily as cheap as Cooks or Renfro, but uh, I imagine he's not too far off from that uh, if those guys happen to not be available. Yeah, he snuck into Tier 4 for me because of those elite top-end wide receiver one overall type weeks that he offers. But, man, it's frustrating Imagine. to put him in your lineup sometimes because you'll have you'll have stretches where he catches three balls for 50 yards in a three-week stretch, and that's, uh, that's frustrating for sure. Tier 4 ended up with 11 players. It was Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, Marquise Brown, Brandon Ayuk, Amon Ross St. Brown, Mike Williams, Jerry Judy, Rashad Bateman, Brandon Cooks, Hunter Renfro, and Tyler Lockett. I had one other name that I wanted to mention that I thought belongs in Tier 4, and that's Darnell Mooney in Chicago. I'm the only one that has him here, but I felt like this was his true breakout season. He had 81 catches. He put up over 1,000 yards, just four touchdowns. That probably held him back from posting the really big season. And, and Ryan, you probably could tell us how many wide receiver one or wide receiver two weeks he had. It felt like he was held back by his quarterback play once again this season. Even though that leveled off a little bit with the – uh, when they drafted a quarterback so high and, and, and um, Allen Robinson was off the field quite a bit more this season, he, he still, I, I felt like every time I watched the Bears, he was open and didn't get the ball. And then, and then he'd, kept, he'd make an amazing catch, contested catch down the field. And those are the types of things that we we want to we want to invest in. We want to have these types of players that can make those incredible catches uh, with guys draped all over him, and then add that to the times where he's wide open and he catches the slant and, and just gets the eleven yards in the first down. Th- those are the kind of guys that teams build their offenses around, which the Bears should do at this point. And those are the guys that score a lot of points for us as fantasy owners. So I think it was a breakout season. And because the stats don't really back that up, his price is still low enough that you can go get him and have higher expectations than what he's done in the past. Yeah, that's all fair. And in his rookie season in 2020, Mooney, of course, flashed, especially late in the season. Three wide receiver two games, did not have a wide receiver one game as a rookie. Of course, that's when Allen Robinson was still uh, relevant uh, back before this this bust of a season. But then this year, in, in what you're calling his breakout, I, I think I would have to agree with you. Four wide receiver one games, four more games as a wide receiver two. He gave you top 24 production in nearly half of his total games this year, which is uh, basically in line with all the other players that we've talked about. In fact, it's 
uh, it's basically almost the same as as CD Lamb, the the hot topic of the day. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be what all these conversations go back to. So oh, we're through frustrating, for, frustrating for sure. We're we're through four tiers. We're gonna try to get. A couple more tears in before we get out of here, guys. But we should mention our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight with with the Dynasty regular season and the Dynasty playoffs over. Right now is the perfect time to try Monkey Knife Fight. I know all three of us love these player prop games that that are offered over there at Monkey Knife Fight. They they offer these DFS games where you don't have to compete against those professional players and and put together those time-consuming salary caps. Instead, you play more or less, where you decide if a player's going to go over or under more or less than his projected stat. If if you win, if they get if you're right, you win money. So uh, it's a lot of fun, especially in these playoff games. It's a great opportunity to dip your toe into these player props. If you haven't tried it, dip your toe into Monkey Knife Fight because we have a great offer. If you sign up for a new account over at Monkey Knife Fight with a first-time deposit, you're going to not only uh, get that deposit matched up to $100 with the promo code DLF, but you're also going to get a free full year of DLF premium. So head over to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image from Monkey Knife Fight on the side of the page, and follow the instructions to get that uh, that free year of DLF premium and that deposit match up to $100 at Monkey Knife Fight. Let's get into Tier 5, fellas. Th- things are kind of spreading out a little bit now, Ryan. We're, we're a little bit all over the place. We, Mooney fits in here. You guys have, we all have Allen Robinson falling in here. Also, Robert Woods, Odell Beckham Jr., Christian Kirk and Adam Thielen. So we have young guys, we have old guys, we have we have a mix and match of talent. Uh, you had Hunter Renfro and Mooney and and and, and others. Um, we also had Tyler Boyd and Van Jefferson. Cortland Sutton fits in here. Juju Smith Schuster, you actually had in the tier before this, as well as Rondale Moore. So that's a that's a lot of names to try to digest. Let's talk about the guys that you had in Tier 4 that end up in Tier 5 because me and Matt are a little lower. That's Rondale Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, a couple of my personal favorites that I'm I'm not quite ready to let go of, uh, especially Rondale Moore. I mean, the, the usage uh, has been – the usage this, this rookie season was, was a little frustrating, but I think that's it's probably fair game to criticize – uh, the entire Arizona offense. I don't. I don't know that I'm ready to put that on Rondell Moore, but at, at the same time, you you wonder if that's going to change moving forward. Uh, so I really like the value uh, that you can find with him right now, uh, but at, at the same time, some some uncertainty. And then Juju, you know, just just my guy can't can't give up on him yet. Hoping he lands in a nice spot, uh, but not sure. Not sure if it even matters. Sadly, Juju is is Juju is twenty five, a full season younger than a full full year younger than Hunter Renfo, but has played two more seasons in the NFL. That that's insane. <laughs> Every time I see Juju Smith Schuster catch a pass or on a commercial or anything, that's what I think of. That dude's super duper young and had that unbelievable breakout season at such a young age. He, I still hold out hope as well. You, I mentioned you have him in tier four. 
I have him towards the top of Tier 5. He's still a guy that I would love to see get connected to the right offense with the right coach and the uh, right quarterback to really unlock that potential once again. Another guy that, throughout his career, feels like he's always open underneath. And and we need to get him with somebody who can take advantage of that skill set. Beyond that, I mentioned Woods, Odell Beckham, Christian Kirk, Adam Thielen. Those were the guys, Matt, that we all three agreed on belong here. But there's a handful of those other names, including young guys like Kadarius Toney, uh, and and you had Rondale Moore in here. Is there anybody specifically that you want to highlight in Tier 5 as a guy that you think is either moving way up or or could be moving down soon? Uh, there's there's two guys that we haven't talked about yet in this tier, two veterans, Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson. I think we can value them pretty similarly at this point. Uh, I think you know both of their best days are probably behind Because of them. lost seasons? <laughs> because of lost seasons, yeah, and just – Lack of production, and even when they are on the field lately, uh, and both of these two guys have probably, you know, their their absolute ceiling is probably behind them, but they're they're they de- they're definitely better days ahead. So, you know, if we're gonna throw out paying a second for Hunter Renfro, can I get Michael Thomas for a second and maybe a little bit more? Uh, you know, maybe that's the kind of risk I, I want to take. It's, it just kind of depends on your profile and what you're looking for from safety or upside standpoint. And Alan Robinson, we certainly think that this year he's finally getting out of Chicago and maybe gets to choose the place that he wants to play. And if that happens, maybe we get the happy Alan Robinson back who's motivated to, uh, you know, run routes and do stuff on the field. So those two guys scream value to me if you're looking as like a contender, looking to add some upside uh, for, for cheap. Um to fill out not only some depth on your roster, but, you know, potentially even be a consistent starter once they're back to full strength. I like the idea of buying low on, on Allen Robinson and, and Michael Thomas. Um, but I'm just not sure how, how realistic it is, especially throwing out a second. I, I don't think they're worth a first, or I don't think most people yeah. would pay a first rounder for either of those guys. But if you've held this long, like why give up this point for a second rounder? Right. I mean, if I've, if I've, stuck with Michael Thomas for the past two years when he basically has given me, given me nothing, then I'm, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see where he lands this off season. I think we, we all presume it will be with a new team. I want to see if he could be healthy and, and or get healthy and stay healthy and, and really kind of the same thing with Allen Robinson. So I, I, I like both of those as by lows, but I, I think it, it may have to be a, a, a differently structured deal rather than just throwing out picks. I think you're probably right, but just, you know, we got to do it. We got to go to the trade finder. Uh, just a few days ago, a second and a fourth round pick for Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, Allen Robinson and a second for Jerry Judy. You probably want Judy there, I guess, in, in most cases. But I think there are deals, mm-hmm. like, around that. The, uh, you know, the the top one on here is, is, is maybe not a good one. Allen Robinson and a first for A.J. Brown. I'll go ahead and take A.J. Brown there. So the, the value is kind of all over the place. I, would, I mean, if you're interested, I would feel, feel out the – the, the manager, but if, I would say in most cases you're probably right. You're not going to get it for a single second round pick. Yeah, the, you, but you highlighted a couple that where it did happen, and like mm-hmm. Ryan said, why are you why are you why are you jumping off jumping ship now? <laughs> that, you know, you waited this long. I'm giving people too to much. You're bored, man. You're bored. You're, you're yeah, yeah. Bored. I guess you did. You've been they've been sitting um, on your roster. You're bored. You can't do anything with them. You know, like let's let's see if somebody else can r- hit. rookie fever, right? Even yeah, even fever. in this draft class. Yep, for sure. Ryan, you 
you had Michael Gallup and Tyler Boyd also in this tier. I agreed with you. Got them in here as well. Tell me about these guys. Gallup with the injury. Boyd playing third fiddle, really, there in Cincinnati, but showed his worth late in the regular season. And now in the playoffs, another chance to do that. Why do these guys fit in? I think both have lost a little bit of value this season yeah. uh, for for the exact reasons you mentioned. Boyd is the clear third option in Cincinnati, maybe even fourth, uh, depending on how they how they use the tight end or, or the running back on in some games. Uh, and then the the late season injury for Gallup. So I, I really like uh, Michael Gallup as a buy low this off season. Still expect him to land in a decent spot, and and maybe that even. Uh, increases his chance chances of staying in Dallas. I, I think that's still probably a good thing. Uh, but Boyd, I mean, just just a good good solid wide receiver option, right? Good good solid flex guy every week. Give you give you ten points a week. Nothing nothing flashy flashy, and honestly, not a ton of upside at this point. We had a couple of us that had Kadarius Tony in there, so he fits mm. into this. He's got the this tier. He's got the upside for sure, uh, if he can get a quarterback and an offense and all those things. Uh, The floor is lava with him. And then, (laughs) Matt, you and I both had Van Jefferson in this tier as well. That's projecting upside for sure. Talk to me about Jefferson. Yeah, I just, you know, if we're going to put Beckham in this area, I feel like we got to have Jefferson too. Beckham has certainly affected Jefferson's, uh, you know, uh, market share a little bit, uh, but he's been used in similar ways, and I think in some ways you can say that Van Jefferson has been the bigger downfield, better downfield threat than than Beckham has. Uh, and I would have, you know, if we were talking about their skill sets, I would think that Beckham would would kind of win the race uh, from that aspect. But uh, but you know, Cooper Cup has been used so much underneath that that's kind of been taken away a little bit from Van Jefferson's role in that area of the field. So, you know, I, you know, if Beckham moves on, uh, if they get sick of him, uh, you know, there's lots of ways that Beckham could, could, could screw up this, this tenure with the Rams. Right. So, uh, you know, in that case, Jefferson would be, you know, again, one of the top three target getters, regardless of what happens uh, with Beckham and when, with Woods coming back. So he seems to be somebody who's going to stick on a, on a good team with a good quarterback and a good surrounding cast. So, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit high, but I would rather probably have Van Jefferson than Kadarius Tony right now, personally. Ooh, mm. Be- oh boy, Beckham is in that deal, but yeah, I would take Tony too. Uh, Beckham is a free agent, and you know, you've still got Robert Woods kind of waiting in the wings there. We we assume he'll come back from that injury. There were some some trade rumors, even some rumors that he could be a cap cut a year ago. So. Um, Clearly some uncertainty with what that Rams uh, depth chart will look like. We know Cooper Cup will be there. We know Van Jefferson will be there. It's just a question of will Jefferson be the two or the three. Um, I think he's done enough to at least be the three. So maybe they're deciding between keeping Robert Woods or giving OBJ a new contract. But uh, regardless, I like investing in Van Jefferson, even though I, I had him a little bit lower on my list. And he kind of feels like a a discount Christian Kirk. Uh, sure. Kirk gets a yep. little more hype. Kirk was higher drafted if we're going back several years. Um, but they're you know they're both guys who are never going to be the number one option on their team. Um, I, I'd take Tony in the comparison you made, Matt. But I I think it's fair to uh, prefer Jefferson to Christian Kirk. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and Kirk is one of the guys in this tier. Uh, He's a fun guy to talk about, Van Jefferson, because we've seen the upside, the ability to get open. 
We've also seen some of the downside, the drop passes, the, the, the ones that clank off his hands for potential big plays. That's been frustrating a little bit for, for all of us as Je- Van Jefferson managers. I, I'll be watching closely this offseason to see how that all plays out because I think he has a chance to step forward next season. Uh, tier 5, I think we've probably spent enough time on this. 14 players. Robert Woods, Odell Beckham, so a couple Rams there along with Van Jefferson. Then Christian Kirk, Adam Thielen, Michael Thomas, Darnell Mooney, Allen Robinson, Kadarius Toney, Rondale Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Gallup, Tyler Boyd, and Cortland Sutton. 14 players in Tier 5. Let's quickly touch on Tier 6. We had a handful of guys, Ryan, that were consensus. DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Terrace Marshall, Josh Palmer, Kenny Galladay, and Will Fuller. Is there anybody out of this group that really jumps off for you? Starting to get uh, starting to get a little ugly here. Uh, I really like Josh Palmer. Uh, I, I think Palmer mm-hmm. could be uh, the type of player whose ADP and whose value steadily rises all off season. Of course, we're uh, we're thinking Mike Williams is probably gone from that team. Uh, we've seen Josh Palmer perform. Uh, when when some players were out due to injury or COVID. So I, I really like Palmer from this group. He kind of stands out to me. You know, Chenault, just, just how many more chances are we going to give this guy? Somebody compared him to uh, Corderell Patterson. So if that's the comp, maybe we have to wait eight oh more years. Wait eight <laughs> more years to get something out of him. Uh, and then the other player that you mentioned that I kind of like still is is Will Fuller. Obviously a lost season from him. His, uh, I know that's never, a, never a Dan favorite, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it grossed me out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, kind of a little bit in the Juju Smith Schuster range, as far as, uh, his dynasty value is really going to be determined by what the NFL tells us his, uh, his actual value is or, or what type of, uh, contract he gets on the free agent market. Well, if steroids were legal, he'd be great. He'd be awesome. Because he can't stay healthy without him. Uh, beyond that, I actually had Gabriel Davis in Tier 5, the one above this. I, I really love his skill set. I loved him coming out of college. And, and you know, the Emmanuel Sanders thing, they flirted with that for the first half of the season, guys. And that, as he started deteriorating a little bit and, and got off the field, uh, all of a sudden, Gabriel Davis started showing up again, catching passes once again. Now, he also had a 13-target game, in, or 14-target game in championship week, week 18, uh, for some, and turned that into three catches for 39 yards. But his his five touchdowns in the last six games, um, I think they see him as an outside threat, a guy that can can catch a lot of passes. And, and I, I want that guy in a Bills offense, so... So we'll see how that that plays out. Gabriel Davis ends up in Tier 6 as well, along with Corey Davis, Jarvis Landry, and Devontae Parker with the names I mentioned before. Matt, is there anything really in Tier 6 or beyond that catches your eye? No, you know, Ryan talked about Chenault, and I I don't want to give up the hope. I mean, if if you squint really hard and you gave him Kyle Shanahan as his coach, could he be, you know, 80% of Debo Samuel? That's kind of the 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 
the risk I, I see with Chenault and giving up on him right now is, is we know the talent is there. The thing that we were really questioning coming out of school was his health. And for the most part, you know, he's, he's been dinged up here and there, but for the most part, he's remained relatively healthy in the NFL. And I just don't know how much we can take from uh, the 2021 season for any Jacksonville Jaguar, to be honest. So he's somebody who I'm not quite giving up hope on. We made it through 58 wide receivers that covered six tiers. Tier one was Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Tier two, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddell, Debo Samuel, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, T. Higgins, and Chris Godwin. And then tier three to kind of round up the round out those uh, wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos. That was 10 players. Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Stephon Diggs, Devonta Smith, Terry McLaurin, Elijah Moore, Keenan Allen, and DeAndre Hopkins. Guys, real quickly, who are we buying this offseason, Ryan? Who's the guy that you really want to add? Ooh, I have to narrow it down to one? <laughs> yeah, if you can. Um... I think about the highest upside player that that I have ranked uh, higher than most. It's probably T. Higgins. Uh, I've I've got him yeah. as a basically as a wide receiver one. Uh, I, I think some are not that not quite that high on him. So T. Higgins and and I still have uh, still have some hope for Chase Claypool. He's the guy I was valuing as that borderline wide receiver one last year that uh, that did not pan out yet. Now probably closer to borderline wide receiver too. Matt, yeah. for you, is there a guy you're buying? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Rondale Moore. Ryan talked about him a bit earlier, but still a big believer, one of my favorite players in this year's class, and uh, I don't think we've seen the best from him. I I paid way too much for him mid season, uh, and I'm happy to pay less than that uh, this off season to 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 get some more more copies of, of Rondale Moore. For me, it's Hunter Renfro. We talked about him. Uh, as a guy that's under the radar, if you're in a league with me and you have Hunter Renfro, uh, expect expect an offer in the inbox here this week. I'll be after him. Ask for an extra. Uh, that's going to do it for this for this <laughs> uh, for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We did all the consensus tiers of running backs last week. This week, of course, was wide receivers. Next week, we're gonna we're gonna tag team things. We're gonna do both quarterbacks and tight ends consensus tiers on episode 499 of the DLF Dynasty podcast. Uh, For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. We're going to catch you again next week.